Well, good morning. It is good to see each one of you here today. I pray that God will use you for His glory. It's just an awesome opportunity to stand up here. I wanted to say before we get started, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, but it seems like in Kentucky, revival has broken out. And I'm going to tell you, I pray that that sweeps across us where all the sleeping wake up and proclaim Christ is King. And that is what I pray for. It's, it's a movement. And, and uh, the thing about revival is the Spirit of God alone originates revival. It is not a man-made endeavor. It is by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. People may have meetings, but God sends revival. So I pray that uh, what is happening continues to grow strong and that it sweeps across us as well. I wanted to conclude the family series, All in the Family, this morning with the verses, actually I have spoken on this a while back on this passage. It is one of the passages that I believe is more commonly ripped streaming out of context uh, than probably any other passage in in the Bible. It's the passages that men love to hear, women do not like to hear, and they use it against each other. But I would pray that as we have gone through the Song of Solomon, and I did this on purpose, that you would see what love is in the eyes of God. And I would like to conclude with Paul's exhortations, if you will, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be looking at verse 21 as to start. But it's often been said this, that marriage is like eating with chopsticks, cutting handsprings, or doing other things. It's easy till you try it. It looks easy till you try it. And and there again, that's the secular world speaking. As I have told you before, that many people will say, and I've heard this advice as well, that marriage is what you make of it. That is not a correct statement. Marriage is what you allow God to make of it. Because I can assure you that if you depend on yourself or you think that you're going to change the other person, you're dead wrong. There's three people that belong in a marriage. You, your spouse, and Jesus Christ. Period. Please stand with me as we read the Word of God. Ephesians 5, verse 21. If you do not have your Bibles, you can look at the screen with me. And be subject, now remember the word and, I'll get to that. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be, be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water in the word, that he might present himself, the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church." Because we are members of his body, for the reason a man shall leave his father and mother, 
and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You may be seated. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may you be glorified. May be you move among us that we understand that marriage is not what we make of it, but what you make of it. That God, we understand that you and you alone are worthy of all praise. And Lord, that we know that if you're in the center of whatever we do, there is no task too great, nor problem too large, that you will not walk with us through. It is my prayer, whether someone is married or whether somebody is getting married or have have been married, that God, we all benefit from this scripture to Lord, to learn to totally depend on you and your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, be subject. When I got married many years ago, I did not have a correct understanding of this text. My understanding of this text was to, my wife will do what I say when I want her to do it. It's my house. Now, what are y'all saying something about? Y'all know it's true, too. Because a lot of times we tried to use biblical authority to get our own way. That was my understanding. She is to be subject to me. But one thing that we have failed to understand That if we look at verse 21, he says, and be subject to one another in fear of Christ. Subject, to be subject means, from the Greek, hypotasso, which means to come in an orderly fashion. To come under an orderly fashion. If it would have been a command, obey, it would have been hypokou, which means you do as I say. But he didn't use that word. He used hypotasso. Which demeans to come under with an aligned authority. In other words, in order. This is what's very interesting to me. To understand this text, we must back up to the beginning of chapter 5. You see, listen to me, and I've said this many times. I said, I believe I said this last time I preached this. No one verse stands alone in Scripture. You hear me? There's always context. No one verse stands alone. Now, you don't have to turn with me, and I didn't have them put it on screen, but I want you to look how Ephesians 5 starts off. Now, listen, if you do not get this, then the rest of what I say, you won't get either. If you don't understand what I'm fixing to go with this, the rest of it is meaningless. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity, covetousness, must not even be among you as as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor rude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexual, immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, not, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things, for they are for what they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Listen. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Did you hear that? Addressing one another in psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs, everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Listen. Submission can only happen by the Spirit. What are you saying were such were some of you? But when you were saved, if you were born again believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. Right? Okay? The Spirit of God dwells within you. So you will not have a clear understanding of submission unless you have submitted to Christ. Do you get that? This is very key. Because submission... In my modern English and Greerian means I put somebody under my control until they yell quit. Go with me. We talk about fighting this MMA. What does somebody do to tap out? They submit them. They become under their control till they say stop. That is not biblical submission. Biblical submission is voluntarily one equal submitting to another equal because it's the order in which God created. There's a big difference. Be subject to one another and wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. And he himself, being the Savior of the body, but as the church is the subject is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Brothers and sisters, this is a voluntary, voluntarily subjection. Because you love Christ, ladies, you submit to your husbands. What this means is not only is he the leader of the household. He is a leader of the household who represents Jesus Christ. I want you to understand. You say, well, I don't understand. I really, it's have, I'm having a hard time getting this order. What do you mean by this order? If you have your Bibles, turn with me just for a second to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, please. Just lost my page. First Corinthians, 
chapter 11, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of a Christ is God. Now listen to me. This is very important, so I hope you get this. Jesus is not less than God. He is a part of the Trinity, the Godhead. They are all equal. But Jesus, who was clothed in glory, clothed Himself voluntarily in humanity to come die for sinners. You see the difference? Ladies, you are not unequal with your husband. You are equals. But the submission is because you love the Lord and it's the order in which God set. For God created man first and He created a helpmate, Eve. But understand this. Submission means to love, honor, and respect your husband as the head of house. But let me tell you what it does not mean. And you can write this down. I hope you do and highlight it. Number one, your husband is not your daddy. And I know we laugh at that and we think it's funny, but he's, your wife is not some child that you lord over. You see, here's the other thing that I think we miss in this text. Let's look at the cultural application. I ask that you study history. You can learn a lot from history. You see, there's three cultures that Paul's dealing with here. You have the Jewish culture in which women meant nothing. Nothing. I hear this text a lot of time. Let me backtrack because I don't want to run a rabbit, but I think this is an important rabbit, so I'm going to release the hounds. Listen. <laughs> I hear so many times when people say that submit you'll have the guys over here that try to use it as authoritarian authoritarian where you put your wife under your finger then you have those over here that take the feminist view and say I'm not submitting myself to nothing because neither one of them understand the text of scripture you don't know what I'm having to go through let me tell you what they went through back then Jewish women were considered nothing. They were whatever they were. A man could divorce them at the drop of a hat. Ah, I don't like this one. I'm going to trade it in. Like a car. They were objects. But also you had a Greek culture. Why is there a Greek culture? See, like, like in Wednesday nights, I'm not trying to throw this out. Wednesday nights for the bomb. We have a great Bible study. We have learned that from Genesis to Revelation of the countries that oppressed Israel. Every sort of all Baptist preachers get rich. That is not true, but however, it's an acronym for this. Egypt, Syria, Assyria, every sort of all, Baptist, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. During the time of Greek occupation, they practiced what was called Hellenization. When they brought in their people and they would conquer a land, they would take the people to make them pretty much adhere to their culture. 
And so you have a Greek culture here in which the Greeks, the wives were this. They were taught from childhood that your duty as a wife is to keep your mouth shut and take care of the kids. That affection and intimacy are almost impossible. Read your history. Because during this time, men sought companionship elsewhere instead of at the home. They looked for something else. So you had the Greek culture, the Jewish culture, and then you had the Roman culture, which practiced patria potestas. Well, what does that mean? The daddy had control over the kids and the girls, and he decided what capital punishment to give, and yes, he could decide death. And when that child became married, it was either passed on to his husband or it was not. But that's your authoritarian. Your daddy. So here is Paul in Ephesus, a horrible place. Very rich, but known for his prostitution. Known for his idolatry. Known for his corruption. Where he's telling born again believers, submit. Now you think about that. Submit. But what it doesn't mean is submission means your husband is not to treat you like a child, like he's your daddy. Number two, submission does not mean that any man should lay his hand on any woman. You hear me? That's trying to make somebody comply. He said, submit, hapotasso. He didn't say doulos, slave. A woman is not there for every man's beckoning want and need. Needs should be met in a spiritual manner and a physical manner when it's a real need. But they should learn from each other just because he says he needs it or he says he wants it does not mean that your wife has to provide it. You hear me? Number three. Write this down, highlight it, and put it on the marquee. That submission does not mean that your husband can lead you into sin. You hear me? Anything that is contrary to the Word of God is sin. And you don't have to be led that way. We are not to lead our spouses into sin because it's contrary to the Word of God. And if we look in context that we've been saved before we get to this passage, why would we want to leave our spouse, lead our spouses into sin? Don't work that way. For the husband is the head of the wife. It's the order which God created. Christ is the head of the church. He is. Your husband is the head. He's not your Savior. Christ is. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so the, also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. That is the order that has been put by God, not an order that has been manipulated by man. Do you hear me? Number 25, listen to me. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he give himself up for her, so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I want to stop for a moment. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Listen to me again. Jesus Christ in all His glory put on the robe of humanity for the church. The ecclesia, ecclesia, not ecclesia, the body of Christ. He sacrificed everything. Listen. Husbands, how much are you willing to sacrifice for your wife? A marriage cannot be an I-the relationship. It must be a we. He loves the church so much that he was also willing to what? Die for her. Now my list of people to die for is a short one. A lot of people will die for something. Not many will die for nothing. But I will tell you this. My wife, this side of heaven, is number one. And that covenant that I made is that I love her as Christ loves the church. Which means sacrificially and unconditionally. He gave himself up for her that he may sanctify her. Sanctification. Conforming to the image of Christ. When you are born again, you've got that foundation, then you start working on the building. You grow and you learn in Christ. My job as a husband is not only to love her unconditionally and love her sacrificially, but to the best of my ability, lead as an example of Jesus Christ by following God's Word and leading in that path. Does that make sense? Having been cleansed, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. The Word of God, the word rhema is used there. Not logos. But I want you to think about this. Like I said, the Word, the words, This is not a sword. This is an arsenal slammed full of swords. It is the written Word of God. And everything that we need to know about loving our spouses is found here. And Dr. Spock or whoever else cannot compare to this. Now I know when people leave, Chad, you're going to say now that I shouldn't listen to other people. I tell you this, if they're away from Scripture, no, you shouldn't. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Unconditionally. Sacrificially. That he, that he might sanctify her, having been made clean. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Now look at the next. This is beautiful. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory. 
having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would become holy and blameless. Husbands, listen to me. Your job as a husband is be the leader that shows and lives by the example of Christ and desires to see her do the same. I want you to think about this because I don't think we understand the magnitude of this. Now go with me. A sacrifice. Christ was a sacrifice. Did you know that in the Old Testament, when we talk about the sacrificial system, that the priest would lay their hands upon an animal, therefore transferring guilt. But that priest was a sinful person too, and he would have to make atonement for his sin. Jesus Christ was perfect. He's the great high priest. He is the ultimate sacrifice because he was sinless. And to present yourself blameless, to present yourself spotless, only He can remove the sin, whereas the priest covered it, Christ removes it, therefore making you blameless. And when you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're blameless. You are justified. That the wrath that was due to us was poured on His Son. And by our faith and trust in Him, we have been justified. We have been found not guilty. And we are in a process of sanctification where we grow continually conforming to the image of Christ. We will not arrive to Him to the same standard. We're not perfect, but let me tell you this. You will strive to grow to be close to Christ as you possibly can because the Spirit of God lives in you. Amen? And as our husbands, as leaders, is to love our wife in such a manner. We don't want to see sin enter her life. And we don't want to lead by an example of sin. Because Christ makes the analogy of His love the same love He has for the church, for our wife. And let me tell you, and I've said this all every week, if men love their wives like this, the first three verses would never be a problem. Because it's for the glory of God. Look what he says. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. Men, not only are you to take care of the physical needs of your wife, but her spiritual It is our job to be the providers of the house. It is our job to be the spiritual leaders of our household because that's the way God ordained it. And I want you to understand that Paul says, he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. You see, that was the problem that a lot of people approach in marriage. And I did too when I was first married. See, I wanted to be married... But I wanted to be single too. What do you mean by that, Chad? You was having... No, no, no. No, 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 no. No. But my understanding of marriage was, that was my wife. I'll go home when I want to go home. I'm going to stay out and still do the things that I used to do because I wasn't one flesh. I lived as two separate fleshes. 
You know why? Because I didn't know Christ. See, I lied to the preacher. Let me just clarify this for you. I went before the pastor, me and my wife did. Chad, are you a Christian? Absolutely, brother. Amen. Even you're a Christian, yes. You see, I had him fooled. I had a lot of people fooled. You see, what I did was I lived my life separately of what people saw and what I actually was. I was one way somewhere and another way at home. Now, my wife knew me, and she prayed for me continually. And I'm going to get to another point in just a few minutes. But listen to me. I wanted to nourish and take care of Chad. She would tell you, my money's my money. Your money's whatever. It's my food. I bought it. You cannot take, don't take my Oreos. <laughs> now, we laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. It become an IV relationship. Because I didn't have a relationship with Christ. Because when I had a relationship with Christ, I had a clear understanding of marriage. Because the person that was missing in our marriage was Jesus. And when he changed me, and he introduced me to what submission is, I understood it clearly because I submitted to Christ. Because he saved me. In that that I hadn't experienced, I wanted my wife to enjoy too. Because here's the thing. We say to death do us part. Death may separate us here on this earth, but I can assure you this, because her and I both have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we won't be separated in heaven. We're going there. Why? Because we placed our faith and trust. And I'm not getting into the marriage thing in heaven and all that, but what I'll tell you this, I don't know exactly what everything's going to look like when I get there, but I know that he who died for me prepared a place for me. And those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be there together. Amen? End of that discussion. Look. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Now listen to me. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is very important. You see, that is ordained by God. That we leave our father and mother and become one. Did you hear that? He closes with that. You're one flesh. Both equal. Submission, people, is not about inferiority. It's two equals with one voluntarily submitting to the other because it was the plan of God. That's what it is. And the two shall become one flesh. Now listen. And I want to bring this to a close. Think about it. Like I said earlier, the only other person that belongs in the marriage is Jesus Christ. You see, but unfortunately we live in a world where people treat marriage 
like they do automobiles. There's a lady named Nancy Anderson that wrote a book called Grass is Greener on the Other Side, Avoiding the Greener Grass. I don't know if you've ever, I used to be a butcher a long time ago, I guess I still am, but what I'm saying, if you've ever been around any farms, she's saying, Chad, how are you drawing this in? <laughs> Listen, if you've ever gone down a field, and I know you have, whether you're a butcher or not, have you ever seen that cow stick his head out in the field trying to eat that grass on the other side because he's done eat the what, what's right there? It always looks good. He reaches that next far as he can go and he starts eating that grass, that green grass syndrome. It looks good. It's enticing. So he's going to do everything he can to not be where he is to get to where he needs to be or he thinks he needs to be. And a lot of times people do that with marriage. And I tell people many times, listen to me, that the grass that you have been given is the grass that you need. The only person that belongs in your marriage is Jesus Christ. And she wrote this called The Grass is Greener. Nancy Anderson says she grew lukewarm in her faith and thus believed the world's lie. I deserve to be happy. Hold up. I'm about to get caught up and wound up. Let me back up and say this ain't the last thing I'm going to say. There you go. This led to an extramarital affair that nearly ended her marriage, and she wrote a book, Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome, to keep her, painfully story, her painful story of infidelity from becoming someone else's story. In her book, Nancy offers six actions, suggestions on how to build hedges to protect your marriage and to help make a good marriage great. Now, if you remember when I preached on this a long time ago, I, I said the same thing. Now, listen. See, she gives some suggestions, but listen to what it says. It's an acronym for hedges. Here, give a listening ear to your spouse. Encourage. Build up your spouse by focusing on positive qualities. Date. Celebrate your marriage by playing and laughing together. Guard. Establish safeguards by setting clear boundaries. Ooh. Educate. Study your mate to truly understand him or her and satisfy Meet each other's needs, not each other's wants. The grass on the other side of the fence may look greener, but faithfulness to God and commitment to your spouse alone will bring peace of mind and satisfaction. When you avoid the green grass syndrome by loving and respecting your spouse, your marriage will be a picture of Christ and his church and to those around you. Listen to me. When you look at someone else's life thinking that it's better than your own, just remember what God has given you was designed for you alone. You're one flesh. My goal through all this has been that families grow close and grow closer to Christ. You see, I went through Song of Solomon to show you what love was. That the same, listen to me, that the same Solomon that saw his wife in her early years thought she was just as beautiful in her later years. He saw that intimacy, marriage intimacy, is a beautiful and godly thing. He saw that his desire was to see her grow his desire was to take care of her. He loved her. He longed for her. He encouraged her. And no matter how old she grew, 
no matter what became, he wanted to protect himself from the little foxes. Those little things, the boundaries that enter into the marriage and cause issues. Listen to me. The only way that you can do this is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to address this before I close because I need to do this. Chad, what about those who, you know, my husband says he's saved or my spouse said she was saved and she's not. What do I do? You pray for them. Number one, you pray that first and foremost, regardless of anything else, that they come to being saved through Jesus Christ. Number two, remember this. Keep submitting as an example of Christ to show you are what you say you are. There again, that don't change the fact. Listen, that don't change the fact that you're not to be led into sin. Well, I'm going to submit so if he wants to go out and do this and do this and do this. No, 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 no. You show that you are faithful to Christ. Do not be led into sin. But also listen to me. That your life reflect Jesus that he or she may see, listen, that you are what you say you are. That's very important. Let me put it to you this way. <clears throat> whether you're a lady, whether you're a man, and your spouse is unbelieving, you have children, you tell them, we're going to serve the Lord. Unfortunately, through my marriage, the first few years, my wife was the spiritual head of the household. Shame on me. It is my job to be the spiritual head of the household. My wife would respect me, and she would submit to me as long as I didn't draw her into sin. And she would listen to me in certain things. But when it came to spiritual things, she said, Chad, I'm going to do what God says first. And i tell you what, I didn't like it. But I'm telling you, listen, the same God that saved your soul one day in the bathroom saved mine because the prayers of faithful people like my wife never stopped burning their knees up for me. Christ saved me, and I've never been the same. She would tell you that 30 years ago, I'd be the last person you'd ever see up here. Christ changes people. And if you don't understand the first part of this text, whereas you were changed by the grace of God, His Spirit lives within you because you are born again. You will understand the rest and have a clear growing in it. You might not have all the answers. It may not look pretty at times. But if you know that if you seek God for wisdom, He is faithful and He will give it to you. You seek Him. You pray for your spouse. And you press on. I often think, What would I have done if Christ wouldn't have saved me? I don't know. I can promise you I wouldn't be here. But He did. And the same Jesus Christ that saved me 
trust me, can save your spouse too. I want to close with this. I don't know where you are in your marriage. I don't know where you think you're going. Doesn't matter whether you've been divorced. You may have been divorced. Chad, I'm not married. I've been divorced. Chad, I'm getting a divorce. Chad, I'm married, but I'm miserable. Chad, I'm married, and I'm happy. You know, the very interesting thing about all this is we're all humans created in the image of Almighty God, and we all have a God-sized hole that only Christ can fill. We're none of us perfect. But understanding that God can use us wherever we are for his glory, and he can make a change. And I will pray for you, and I will say this, regardless of where you are right now, whether you're married, getting married, may get married, have been married, whatever it may be, you seek the kingdom of God first. Seek him first. It is my prayer that we understand submission is not under some thumb of our authority. But loving and respecting your spouse is the God-given order of the way he arranged marriage. Husbands, it is my desire that when you see your wife, you see the most beautifulest, spotless woman that's ever walked the face of the earth. And you only have eyes for her because you have eyes for Christ. And your desire is to see her grow and conform to the image of Christ continually. You see, I want to ask you before I leave, and I want to challenge each one of you. I don't know your household. Maybe you are like me and had, have me fooled. I don't know. I miss it. I, I'm not an Avenger. I can't see through or burn people or whatever. Might have used the wrong group. Anyway, it don't matter. But, but here, here's the deal. I, I can't see the future. I can't see what happens in your household. But what I can tell you is encourage you this way. Women, do you love and respect your husband as Christ has set the order? Do you? Do you love him? Do you want to see him grow in maturity and faith too? Men, do you love your wife? Can you honestly say you love your wife as Christ loved the church and give herself up for her unconditionally? Something that hit me when I was thinking about unconditionally. Something hit me with this. Forgiveness. I who deserved hell and wrath, God in his great mercy forgave me. Just like he forgave you. I honestly believe there is not a problem that can arise that is to God are too big for God to handle. And yet I that did not deserve forgiveness, Christ forgive me, because while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. Do we love our wives unconditionally? Wives, do we respect and love our husbands the way God ordained marriage? And I want to leave you with that this morning, because let me tell you something. I want you to go out that door and reflect on it. I want you to reflect on it hard. How can I work in my marriage to grow us closer to Jesus Christ? That's what we all should learn. 
and all should strive to do. Why? Because he is worthy. He is worthy. And the same God that saved our soul ordained marriage in the order that he did for his glory. And everything that we should, we should be for God's glory. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you. Lord, I am unworthy. I am truly unworthy. But I have great worth because you are worthy and made me worthy. God, I can't say that I have the perfect marriage. But what I can say is God, with you at the center of it, you will hold it and sustain it. God, as I've prayed before, that may all who come behind us find us faithful. God, I pray today that if there's a marriage struggling, that Lord, you work in it. Lord, you have provided saints that can help, that can minister, that can talk, that can show the Word of God. Lord, that's what the church is for. To disciple and help one another grow. But God, it starts in the house. God, I pray if there's a man here that's not the spiritual leader of his household, the Lord, that he stand up. And he loves his wife as you love the church. If there is a lady here that is struggling with subjection or respect, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you work in her heart that she would see that she's not to be treated as a child or a slave, but to do your will as you have ordained us to do. God, I believe there's no marriage that's too damaged that you can't restore. There are people here that's been through divorce or maybe going through it. Lord, I can't imagine what they're going through. I haven't walked in their shoes. But God, I honestly believe this text applies to them because, Lord, we can learn and we can grow. God, we're not any of us perfect. But, Lord, each day that we grow to conform to your image. And, Lord, if we keep in the center of our lives your Son, Jesus Christ, who is worthy of all praise, I am convinced that if our foundation is upon you, that the walls you build around us are impenetrable. God, I love this church. And as we bring this series to a close today, May we all learn how we can love more, serve more, proclaim your gospel more, that others may be saved. And it is your name I pray. Amen.